Welcome to College Admissions Insider, the podcast where we bring you expert advice for your college search. I'm Brian Wendell from Bucknell University. And I'm Brooke Timms, also from Bucknell University. Brian, when students and families are exploring colleges, there's only so much you can do online. And at some point, you have to see these places for yourself, all 5, 10, or 20 schools on your list, or even more. Right, 30, 40, 50, yeah. And so unless the family member who's taking the students on these in-person visits has, I don't know, unlimited vacation days, the only way to realistically visit multiple schools or even every school in a reasonable amount of time is through the college visit road trip. But how do you plan one of these info gathering trips? How can you keep all of these visits straight in your head? And what's the best way to maximize that quality family time as you travel together from destination to destination? So, and apologies in advance for the pun, but let's get this show on the road. Our guest is Allison Almasian, who is Director of College Counseling at the Taft School, which is a private boarding school in Watertown, Connecticut. And before that, Allison spent 22 years in college admission, so she knows what she's talking about. She helps students at Taft find the right college fit, navigate the application process, and even plan the college visit road trips we're going to be talking about today. So, welcome to the podcast, Allison. Thanks so much. Wonderful to be here. Yeah, so great to have you. And so let's start off with scheduling. Can you talk about some of the best ways to sit down and actually map out an itinerary? And how many visits should students actually try to schedule in one day? Thanks, Brooke. Great questions. When we think about scheduling, there's so many different ways to approach this, but certainly you want to sit down with a map and figure out of your schools that you want to visit, what what are going to be reasonable chunks in order to accomplish these sort of mini road trips, if you will. And hopefully your your list is such that that will be fairly apparent just by sticking virtual pushpins into a map to see what would make the most sense. Once you have a working list of where you want to visit, then you'll need to make outreach to each of those schools. And here's a interesting thing that I'll just throw out is who's going to do the scheduling? In an ideal world, the student would do the scheduling as it is their process. So if you are a student who is pretty on top of things and feel like you can handle that, I do think it shows independence and shows a student's authentic interest if they're the ones making the phone call to set up these visits. I also, while saying that, understand that some students' schedules do not allow them to have time during the day when those phone calls need to be made. So If it can't be the student, then certainly a parent will need to jump to the fore and help with that. In terms of planning out the visits, I strongly recommend that families not visit more than two schools in a day. Any more than that, and it's really, really challenging to keep the school straight in your head. And I say this as someone who spends a lot of my time, at least not when we're not in a pandemic, visiting colleges on organized trips. And oftentimes I'm doing two or three schools in a day. And by if it gets to three, that's always when I lose my attention. And I think I have a decent attention spans. So if I can't do it, chances are that's going to be a little bit too much for you as well. So try to keep it to one to two in a day. And that's critical. And again, thinking through geographically what makes the most sense. And finally, determining who it is who will be actually doing the scheduling. Speaking of the scheduling, I did want to talk through what will you be doing when you visit the campus. And every school is going to have their own 
opportunities listed, it is most common that you will find information sessions and campus tours. And those are just, as you probably realize, starting to open up around the country as vaccination rates go up and up. So hopefully most schools will be open by this summer. But do they offer more than just an information session and a tour? Do they offer interviews? If they offer interviews, are they by seniors, senior students? Are they by alumni volunteers? Are they by admissions officers? Are those interviews ones that are going to be evaluative? Are they going to be making judgments based on how well you do in the interview? Or are they just informational? Is there an opportunity to sit in on a class or have lunch in the dining hall or meet with a professor or a coach? All of this information should be noted on the website, and if it isn't, certainly by talking with the receptionist when you make those phone calls. And they're good things to figure out and anticipate the more in-depth of a visit you can have, the better. It makes me think that, you know, when some families, when they think of a vacation, they think we're just going to go hit the road and, you know, see where the road takes us and kind of just play it by ear as they're traveling. But it sounds like with a college visit road trip that that approach might not work? Is it best to to do all this booking and scheduling in advance? Or is it okay to show up unannounced at some or all of the schools that you're planning to visit? Great question. Please, please schedule in advance. With my previous hat as a director of admissions, boy, is it tough when families just walked in, quote unquote, and asked for opportunities, whether it be tours or interviews, etc., And it puts undue pressure on the admission staff and particularly the people, the nice people who are trying to keep all the tour guides straight and organize all the rooms, et cetera. So this is not one of those things where unannounced would make sense. If you are driving from one college to another, let's say in North Carolina, it appears you can't go a couple miles without running into a college. So maybe you plan to go to Davidson and Wake and Duke, but as you were driving by, you noticed another school that looked intriguing. Can you stop by? Sure, but don't ask much of the admissions folks. Don't expect them to have opportunities for you if you have not planned ahead. And in addition to, you know, which schools they're going to visit and how many, you know, in one day families are going to visit, it seems like the time of year at which to schedule all of this is a big consideration as well. And I mean, as the different seasons, schools will look different throughout the year and students' lives will look different throughout the year as well in terms of when they can can plan all this. So yeah, what is your advice there? When's the best time of year to plan? In my view, you can either look at it, there's lots of great times or no good time. Each season really brings with it its own pros and cons. I will say spring break of the junior year is typically a wonderful time to visit campuses as high school students, juniors are just beginning to start developing their list and are trying to check out assumptions. I think I want smaller and getting on some smaller campuses to determine if that is in fact true or just seeing a variety of campuses to understand the landscape before they start honing. Of course, I'm very mindful of the fact that very few people had an opportunity to do any visits this spring with the pandemic. So that one's a little bit behind us. If you have those of you listening have younger siblings or younger children coming up in the process, spring break is a great time. So now we're left with summer or fall. Now, summer is when most people will have the time to do these kinds of trips. And I I do really recommend that that is, at this point, the best time. What you miss is seeing what the campus looks like when it's in full swing. And obviously that that can speak to the ethos and the culture of a campus and 
And you will miss that if you go in the summer to some degree. More and more colleges have very full campuses in the summer through summer school, summer research fellowships. In fact, I just dropped my daughter off for her six-week summer research fellowship at her college. So there are quite a good number of students on campus, and you'll get a pretty good field. It may not be exactly what it's like in the fall or the winter or the spring, but it's a pretty good feel if you go in the summer. So I, I do think that's a great time, and mostly because the fall while it will give you the truest sense of what the experience would be like, it is so tough for seniors in the fall. Life is just really, really busy. And the thought of missing classes or taking time away from all the other things that need to be done in the fall of the senior year make it a, a challenging time to plan visits. Can you do, a, you know, there's a couple of long weekends in there. Maybe you can do one or two, but I would try to do the the vast majority of the visits in the summer as being the best time with regards to family schedules and giving you close to the best experience in terms of seeing the institution and, and measuring fit. So that fall of the senior year might be a time when they're thinking about those visits that they've already done over the summer, perhaps. And one thing, one problem I could see potentially arising is wait, which school was that that I really liked? And which one had the, the great facilities? Which one had the really cool tour guide? So that brings me to our next question, which is how do you keep all this straight in your mind? If you're maybe doing a marathon trip where you've got six colleges in four or five days, how do you recommend that families keep everything organized in their heads? Sure. Great question. And my answer is my parking lot rules, which I give to every single one of my students before they head off. Quite simply, that means when the student and or parent or parents are done with each visit, they return to their car. They may turn their car on and turn on the air conditioning should it require be required. But you are not allowed to go into drive, put the car into drive until every person in that car has taken notes. I want them to jot down everything that stuck out to them. Was it that they were having the fifth annual jelly bean eating contest in the Joe Schmo dining hall that day and you, and that connected with you? Is it that, you know, you thought the tour guide was rude? Was it, is it that the buildings, you know, were pretty? Whatever it is that a student notices, they should jot down, as should the parent as a supplemental they may be noticing different things. And whether you're going to do that on an iPad or somewhere written so that you can correlate all those notes at the end. But those immediate feedback notes will be incredibly helpful, both in helping to remember which dorm went with which school, but it will also help with seeing things that you're reacting positively to and negatively to, helping the college counselor and the student continue to hone their list. And it can finally be helpful as they're starting to write their applications and conveying what it is about a specific institution that intrigues them. Having those detailed notes will allow for more authentic comments on the part of the student showing why they want that school. Yeah. And building off of that just a little bit more, are there any other techniques that students and families can utilize as they try to evaluate that fit that you were talking about and navigate those conversations about, yeah, what school will be best for the student? Sure. I realized I just forgot one from Brian's question. Photos. Take photos 
while you're on tour so that you can remember which dining hall goes with which school. So let me add that in. And then in terms of looking more deeply at the parking lot notes, I encourage families to think about both heart and mind. So for mind, it's presumably students have done some research before they've chosen to go visit a school. So they'll know if the school has the course of study they're interested in, looking on websites, et cetera, they can get a feel for placement rates, those kinds of things. But seeing the classrooms, seeing the labs, understanding, picturing yourself in those academic environments, how does that feel? And then the heart, you know, what are students noticing when they're walking across campus? I've had students, my students come back to me and say, every person I walked by had their headphones in. Or I noticed that everybody was wearing that particular school's branded sweatshirts. And in the first case, it was a bit of a negative that no one seemed to be, there didn't be a, seemed to be a strong sense of community. In the second one, there did seem to be a strong sense of community because people were proudly wearing their school name, et cetera. So those little kinds of things, what, you know, looking at the flyers that are up in the student center on the trees around campus, what matters to students on that campus? What are they noticing? Looking at the student newspaper is a great idea. And I have to note that I actually got this from a colleague, a former colleague of mine that I'm like, that's so smart. And I hadn't thought of it, but schools should have archives of their newspapers. So if you don't, if you're walking around campus and you don't see a copy of the newspaper, get online and look at the archives. What are the issues that are of importance to that institution that can also get to a little bit more of the vibe? So all of those are good opportunities to get at both head and heart. Yeah, yeah, that's all great advice. Switching gears just a little bit, I want to talk or dig in a little bit more to demonstrated interest, which is something we've talked about a couple of different times on our podcast. I think so much so it could be its own episode at this point. And I know Bucknell doesn't take demonstrated interest into account when analyzing applications, but there are many schools that do. And so how might a visit help students demonstrate that interest at schools where doing so might better their chances or, or help them? So first of all, again, coming back to the fact that you're not going to be a walk-in, that you have scheduled ahead, you've made a call and said, I'm coming to do an info session and tour, that puts the student's name into the mailing list for that at school. And they have identified themselves as someone who's interested in the school. Attending campus shows a higher level of interest. So just by having your name in the system that you came to campus, that is data that many schools will take into consideration. If it's a school that doesn't calculate demonstrated interest, I mean, there are schools that will calculate it on a very procedural level. If a student visits campus, they get X number of points and they're counting up points and various things. A lot of other schools will do it on a more of a holistic view They're not counting, but they will say, huh, you know, this kid lives an hour away and they chose not to visit. What is that saying? And so there's some qualitative elements of the demonstrated interest as well that can go into play. So the visiting of colleges is probably the thing that is most mutually beneficial in that the student gets the opportunity to see an institution in real life, as opposed to all the online research we've done and the virtual campuses that schools have been doing. So it will be a really key element for them to see if this jives with their heart and mind. And it is also an opportunity for the colleges to determine who might they may be more likely to yield, have 
that which students seem to have the deeper levels of interest. And that can play into holistic review to varying degrees. Although, you know, Bucknell obviously does not. I generally say err on the side of demonstrating interest. It can't hurt <laughs> to do so. I'll just also throw out because it's an element of the process. For those who may be interested in this term, demonstrated interest, there are lots of other ways to demonstrate interest through things like filling out inquiry forms on websites, clicking on the emails that colleges might send to you, going when a college visits a high school or going attending college fairs. All of those are ways to sort of raise your hand and say, yes, I'm interested and I care about this institution. That's super interesting and and relevant to remind people that if your circumstances mean that you can't go and physically visit a school, it's not as if you're going to get zero points at one of these demonstrated interest schools. Am I, am I hearing that right? Yes, correct. So kind of building off of that, schools that don't calculate demonstrated interest in a formal or even an informal way, it seems like there's still ways for you to use that we hope, positive visit experience to your advantage on your application. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how that might be done. So supplemental essays is probably the clearest way for that to happen. And most colleges and universities, not all, but most will use the common application. And the common application requires a personal statement, a general essay, if you will. But then each school has the opportunity to ask for additional essays called supplemental essays. Many, many times those supplemental essays will be of the topic like, tell us why you're a good fit for fill-in-the-blank school, or what do you think you can contribute to fill-in-the-blank school? Something to talk about the match. Why is this a good match? And again, if you've been on the campus and if you have done your parking lot rules and you wrote down that they were having the fifth annual jelly bean eating contest. You can speak to, you know, your when you were five and you won the hot dog eating contest at your camp. You knew when you saw the jelly bean eating contest, these are people like me, and there was a connection there. The authenticity of what one can write in those supplemental essays will be much more significant than if you have not been on the campus. To be able to say, my tour guide, Brooke, was awesome. She told us all about blah, blah, blah. She went off the, you know, off the tour route and took us so, to so-and-so to get smoothies after, you know, these are my kind of people. Those things stick out way more than when students are just pulling things from the website. I saw on the website that your motto is X. I like that motto. <laughs> you know, it, it, it doesn't resonate as fully. And speaking of those highly personalized anecdotes, I know when me and my family spend an extended amount of time together, there's always a, a good story or two that comes out of that. And on these college road trips, you know, families and, and their students are going to be spending a pretty long time in the car together, very likely. And so, yeah, do you have any tips about how they might make the most of that time as they're traveling, keeping in mind that this could be one of the last long family vacations before their student goes off to college? Right. Another great question. And I think I'm going to take this a little more higher level and I'll get down to car drives specifically. The listeners to this podcast might be coming in at various stages in the process. If it's a parent who has their first student going through the process, or, or even if they've already had two or three, it doesn't matter. Each child is so different. I want parents to understand that there's so much going on under the surface with, with students. There is the expectations and pressure that students are feeling 
about this process can't be overestimated. And it's very easy for this to be a time when parents and students might clash in ways that they may not have before. And I say this as a mother of three and my eldest who literally never, we never fight. And she bit my head off when I asked her something about the college process. And I was like, oh, okay, there's stuff going on under there. All of that is to say that with all this process on a macro level, but also on a micro level with planning a car trip is set up rules of engagement, discuss ahead of time. Okay. We're going to be in the car for basically a week and a half. When are we going to talk about colleges? Do we agree that we're going to do our parking lot rules and that's it? We don't share any of it. And maybe over dinner that night, we can have discussions Do we not talk about it for a while and let it all marinate and then come back and talk about it? Should the parent share their list from the parking lot notes or or should the student only share theirs? And, And where will that come in? Certainly, the student should always be leading the conversation. So they should give their impressions first if there is going to be a go around the room kind of a thing. Students and parents should discuss how they're going to behave on an actual college visit. Is the parent allowed to ask any questions? (laughs) Are they not? What is the student comfortable with? How will that interaction go? So talking those things ahead of time, I think, will lead to more harmonious car rides. Also really important, determine who's got the radio slash playlist control. Are you going to build playlists ahead of time that make both the parent and the student happy? Is How are you going to do the music? That's key. Or what book are you going to listen to on tape? What are the things that you're going to do to amuse yourselves in the car, in the car ride? And then finally, depending on the length of the trip and what people's resources are, try to schedule in some fun stuff. So whether that's maybe going out to a nice dinner in a new town, whether that's if there's a zoo on the way or a museum you want to check out, try to break it up so it's not just incessant college. And it can be more of this adventure college, but also general family time adventure. Those are some of the things that I would pay attention to as you're planning those. That's really great advice. And it's given us a lot to think about. I think with that, we'll kind of hit the brakes on this episode, trying to pack in as many puns as possible here. Let's thank Allison Almasian of the Taft School for joining us. That was that was really interesting and excellent. And I think you've given our listeners plenty to think about as they plan one of these college visit road trips. And thanks to our listeners out there for checking out this episode. If you enjoyed it and haven't already, we would love for you to rate, subscribe, and share with your friends so they can have all of these great tips for planning their college road trips. And if you're listening through our website and not as you're on a road trip somewhere in your car, we invite you to subscribe using your favorite podcast app. All you do is just search College Admissions Insider, and that way you won't miss a single episode. And we'll be back for another new edition in just two weeks. Until then, you can contact us at podcast at bucknell.edu. We'd love to hear your questions or ideas for future episodes. And if you submit a question to us that we read on the podcast, we will shout you out as well. Absolutely. And last but not least, you can follow Bucknell on all the socials at BucknellU on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And you also should check out our student-run Instagram account, which is at I am Ray Bucknell. You can find those links in the show notes. Thank you all for listening and see you next time.